Will you guys look at the screen and we're going to listen to some special prayers this morning. Osureja anapeso yakwadaya dawase yadawase yadema asofofo nkanka asofofo awo amana amana do ewrade eyampa ameni na beyiwaye nti yabompa yedema ho na onebusia nyampa ebonde wade kwado afo ho ndo ni wade fetche akrafa mawo ho yabompa yedema won bambo ewrade nkunimidi asomje ni wade mawo ndo mamun wen free sente ewrade wo ndam o mpai bobia Anoni asem kapabia iradi yabompa de iradi mahum konkono nkodanya wonkese na wonchi akra na wonka Yesu Kristo na asempa no wonfanchira manaman eyi na bebere ni yebisa wo Jesus Christ imu amen Fofoma von Senkatato Domenreto dipokla ngba ola mieto bubukle kafkafula tonawo ilaba mareke medenwo Fofosi mi popu da fisia la mi biobo ogbogbo ko kwene gede mi amene baba wepedo ba to edikplemi ba ye edikplemi ne ba unu plemi fofo bo mi sia me pe didi be mi ele di be mi asubo o apeto do didi be lolo de mi ami be mi odeka afisia mi popu la on tokpo amesia me pe di ne ni to wo ni to bubu pe ka fuka flato nao to fifia ide ma vo mi fofo Nabo Lon Nevani Bandi, Nevane Tepesia de Duco Bengo, Ne Bubuka of Cafula by now, the new one, Yesu Christo Bencomi. Amen. Baba Catacajina La Yesu, to Nakushukur, to Nasamania Santico Emana Fadilizaco, a Santico Cupa, Uhai Sikuia Leo, to Nakushukuru, Qua Sikuia Leo, Quacutunganisha Mahala Hapa, Pia to Nam Babuana, Quasabia. Harvest is ready. Tunaomba bwana ukatume wafanye kazi, wakafanya kazi ambao bwana umewatumia. Tunaomba neema yako katika jina la Yesu. Ni asante pia. Tunaomba pia ambao wako katika mission fields, bwana ukawasaidie, ukawapa nguvu, ukawapa neema ambao wanapitia katika magumu, bwana ukapatie nguvu zao katika jina la Yesu. Asante. Tuwashukuru. Tunaomba haya katika jina la Yesu tunaomba na kuamini. Amina. Gracias Padre Celestial por nuestros hermanos misioneros y por sus familias que sirven alrededor del mundo. Bendecimos a sus familias y al llamado que tú tienes para cada uno de ellos. Oramos que tú traigas un avivamiento en cada pueblo, comunidad, corazón y los ministerios a los cuales tú les has llamado a servir. Que el deseo de servirte cada día crezca en sus corazones como un manantial refrescante y que puedan llevar las buenas nuevas a todos los rincones del mundo. Amado Dios, te pedimos humildemente que este avivamiento de frutos que sean deliciosos a tu paladar y que a través de las misiones tu nombre sea glorificado y alabado. En tu nombre oramos, Jesús. Amén. My uh, High Point family, how are you doing? This is uh, Tamaskan uh, from Ethiopia. I would like to greet you to everybody, to the Pastor Kevin, church elders, mission department, all the church members. I would like to greet you in the name of Jesus. Uh, this time, the 
the peace process in Ethiopia is a good start. The Ethiopian federal government and the Tigray leaders uh, agreed to cease fire and uh, we need also to, to pray for us so that the agreement would be uh, better on implementation. So yet there is no uh, flight, there is no transport, so I could not go back to Tigray. So pray for that. The Ethiopian airlines are ready to fly, so they are expecting uh, from the government to have green light. Uh, and also I am doing in Addis, there are a lot of internally displaced from Tigray. They came to Addis Ababa, so there are a lot of Tigrayans and Eritreans in the city. So I encourage them, I meet them. We have Bible study and I am also doing my best to serve the Lord here. And also thank you. I would like to say thank you for your support. I miss you. God bless you. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, the time of prayer. Um, you know, what a, what a powerful reminder that as we gather here this morning uh, to worship here as High Point, you know, we, we, are, we are in unity with uh, churches around the, the, the world. Uh, and, and as brothers and sisters, you know, we look forward to one day being around the, around the throne of God uh, as, you know, representative of every tribe and tongue and nation all, all around the throne. So that, that, was, that was beautiful. Thanks, thanks for that. Um, as you saw in the, the video here uh, from Temeskin a few months ago, uh, he's, he's doing well. Uh, as a quick reminder, uh, background, uh, um, uh, almost two years ago, uh, he and his family were, were visiting down in Addis, uh, a, a funeral, and, um, and the Civil War broke out, and he was unable to get home. And so they, they've been there in Addis for, for almost two years. Um, uh, as of right now, um, uh, the, the, the uh, circumstances have, have changed so that he, he, he can get home. So he's actually back in Shiri right now, which is uh, a huge praise. We've been praying this about this for, for so long. And um, his family is still down in Addis. Kids are finishing up school uh, because there, there's no schools up in Tigray. Uh, as soon as they finish up, they're, they're going to head north back to, uh, back to Shiri uh, this summer and join them there. Uh, when, when he uh, was able to get back to Shiri, he found that the, the elders there at the church have been uh, faithfully leading and the, and the, the church is, is doing uh, well and is strong. And so that, that's a huge blessing that, that they're, they're doing well. Uh, they continue to minister uh, to kids at a local refugee camp uh, there. Uh, they, they have a feeding, feeding program every day uh, to help share the, the love of Christ in that way. Um, and so it's, it's great to hear that as a church body, they've been through uh, such a rough couple years, but they're, they're standing strong for uh, representing Christ there uh, in Shiri. Um, it, uh, a couple years ago, back when the Civil War started, they had 11 church plants that were reaching out in the area. Um, as he returns now, uh, we've, we've, we learned that, that eight of those 11 are still viable churches, uh, church plants. And so that, that's wonderful to hear that, that those are uh, still continuing. Um, however, I would also add, though, that, that they're in a region uh, that's under dispute uh, in terms of the, the, the aftermath of the Civil War. So that there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, political um, um, decisions that need to be made and, and a, a, a lot of uh, danger, potentially, as this thing uh, still is, comes to, to fruition. So please, please be uh, thinking about them and be in prayer for them. Um, so as now we transition to, uh, to southern Ethiopia, 
uh, where we rejoice at seeing God uh, doing uh, miraculous things, bringing people to himself uh, across um, areas of, of uh, you know, uh, Muslim tribal areas where there's opposition and persecution uh, involved for those that, who turn their, their lives over to Christ. Um, but we, we've seen uh, God growing uh, the, his church down there in, in uh, just miraculous ways. Uh, there, there are two, two uh, congregations that have been growing in particular there uh, to the point where they are in need of a church building, someplace to gather, uh, to, to worship together. Uh, so uh, last weekend we had a, a fundraiser to try and raise funds for, for one of those churches. Uh, the goal was to raise $15,000 to, to build one of those churches. Uh, and I'm excited to, to report this morning that um, as the dust settles on the fundraiser, we were able to, to uh, collect 23,400 for that fundraiser last week. So that's awesome. So, so looking at that, uh, the, uh, the missions team um, ha have um, funds that we're gonna bring to bear uh, from the missions budget, and we're gonna bring that 23,400 up to an even 30,000. So we're, gonna, we're actually gonna fund both of those churches this summer. So we are really excited about that. So we'll, we'll continue to be, uh, be looking for, for news and updates, and uh, please be in prayer for these two congregations as they find uh, a place where they can come and, and worship together and, and have fellowship together. That's, that's so exciting. Uh, and finally, I want to uh, uh, introduce uh, Tyler Peace. He's uh, um, uh, graciously agreed to come and uh, preach uh, to us this morning. And uh, just a quick intro to him, uh, about him. Uh, he's been a, uh, a pastor in the, in the area here for the last 15 years. Uh, in October, he transitioned into leadership of uh, Perspectives class. He's the regional director uh, for, for Perspectives. Uh, it's, a, it's a class that, that um, just um, challenges students uh, to lean into their role as a, as a global Christian. Um, uh, speaking to him this morning, it sounds like as he transitioned into this role, he continues to have other, other responsibilities as pastor, so he's been doing double and triple duty for the last six months or so, so he's a busy guy. So we're uh, really privileged to have him uh, speak with us this morning. So well, please welcome Tyler. Thanks, thank you very much. Well, good morning. good morning. So good to be here today. It's a privilege to open God's word. And uh, I'd like to just begin by praying and asking God for his help as we do that. So let's pray. God, we are so thankful to be here. Just as we sung in the, today in that song, you're the one who created hundreds of billions of galaxies. God, you are like no other. You, you alone are worthy of praise. You alone are worthy of worship. And it's stunning to think uh, that you being so powerful, so other, so big, also want to be known by us, and so you've revealed yourself to us through your word, and you draw near to us. It's just stunning. So God, as we open your word this morning, we would ask that you would help us to have ears to hear what you have to say, hearts that are soft enough to listen and to be changed. And God, as we encounter what you have for us today, we pray that we wouldn't try to make change through our own strength, but God, through your strength and through your spirit, would you help us? And so, Lord, we pray this all in the name of Jesus and through your spirit. Amen. Wonderful. Well, a quick uh, 
addition to the, the very kind introduction there, yes, I have the privilege of serving in a ministry called Perspectives USA as a regional director in the northwestern United States. Uh, Perspectives really is a study program that brings a global dimension into people's discipleship uh, journey. Um, one of the realities for us as Americans is we have a very individualistic worldview, and so bringing that global dimension back in is so valuable to people's faith. Uh, our students range from people finishing up high school to people finishing up careers and entering retirement. As telling one gentleman today, it's a great way for teens to figure out what to do with their life and a great way for retirees to figure out what to do with the rest of their life. And uh, this morning, uh, some of what I have to say is uh, some of perspectives in a kind of a condensed form. Uh, my wife is with me as well this morning, our daughter and, and uh, the kids in program as well. My wife, Karen, runs a ministry called Better English in Tacoma, and I'll share a little bit more about that. But the, the mission team here today, and Stephen asked me to speak uh, today uh, and to give a global focus today, but to utilize High Point's mission statement. So I got on your website and looked at the mission statement, and your mission statement is aiming to know Jesus and make him known. And then you take that word aim and turn it into uh, an acrostic, which you see on the screen there, that includes activate our faith, impact the world, and multiply his disciples. And so I want to speak to each of those points today, and I'm going to begin with the first one, and really the title of my sermon today is Improving Our Aim. And when I think about improving our aim, I think about vision, like we have to have clear vision, we have to be able to see better if we're aiming at something. And so then talking about activating faith, when I think of activating, I think Activating always requires some sort of knowledge. You can't be activated towards something unless you have some knowledge towards what is it you're supposed to be pursuing. And, and so in thinking about that, that concept of vision, I was thinking about glasses. We have uh, glasses, prescription glasses for seeing things more clearly. We have sunglasses that help us see better when the sun is out. And, and so when we wear glasses, we wear them for a purpose, to, to define things better, to see more clearly. But the reality is sometimes glasses don't do that. Uh, for instance, I'm a kind of a cheap person when it comes to glasses. Um, because I lose glasses, I break them, I do dumb things in them, I forget I'm wearing them, and then they get broken. Uh, so I tend to buy really cheap sunglasses. Any of you like me at all? Uh, cheap sunglasses. And what I found with a lot of cheap sunglasses is, yes, they block the light. They also block everything else. Um, they, they obscure things. And here's the reality. Each of us lives within a culture, and our culture impacts us in different ways, and our culture gives us a lens to see the world, and it colors how we see the world. It also colors how we read scripture, and sometimes our culture causes us to not see certain things within the Bible. It obscures things. And so what my hope is today is to give you a lens to look through that hopefully will bring some things within God's word into greater definition for you, greater clarity. It's been there the whole time, but sometimes our culture makes it very hard to see. So to do that today, I'm going to look at Psalm 67, and I'm going to use Psalm 67 as a bit of a, a lens for us to read the Bible with. Um, I think Psalm 67 is an incredible uh, passage that just really helps us see God's global purposes. If we could move to the next slide, that'd be wonderful. 
Um, so Psalm 67, I'm just going to look at the first two verses of it this morning. And that's going to create the framework. So verse 1, I'm going to read verse 1 first and sit on it for a moment. But verse 1 says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Isn't that wonderful? We read that verse and that just has beautiful things in it. The God of the universe is gracious to us. The creator of all that we see blesses us. That great God that we sung about today draws near and has that relational warmth. He causes his face to shine upon us. Wonderful things. But you know what the danger is, especially for us Americans in our individualism, as we read that verse and what we might do is we might say, oh, that's wonderful, and walk away, close our Bible and say, I'm going to go about my day. But you might notice something about the, the verse up on the screen there. What does it end with? There's a comma there. It's not a period. It's not the end of the thought. In fact, if we look at verse 2, then we come to the main thought here. It says that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Now, you look at the first word of verse 2. It's that. It's a causal word. You could say so that. It's telling you why God blesses us. Why is God gracious to us? Why does God cause his face to shine upon us? And verse 2 is the reason that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. So here's what I'm going to call this, this lens that I'm giving you today. I'm going to call it the top line, bottom line lens, hoping that that makes it memorable for you. So as you go about your, your week and as you're reading your Bible, you think top line, bottom line. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, simply this. The top line is verse 1. It's that we benefit from God's blessing. That being part of God's redemptive plan means there is benefit to you. There is blessing for you. A uh, famous preacher used to say regularly, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And you know what? I think that's absolutely true. God loves you. You are not inconsequential to God. You have a part in his redemptive purposes. That's a wonderful thing. However, I call it top line, and what in the world do I mean by calling it the top line? Well, simply to contrast it to say it's not the bottom line. We all know what the bottom line is. If we're working within a business deal, you might stop and say, okay, okay, what's the bottom line? You tracking with me? What's the bottom line? Well, verse 2 is the bottom line. God's glory, specifically among the nations, that God in what he is doing in his redemptive plan, yes, he loves you. Yes, you are not inconsequential to what God's doing, and yet you're not the bottom line. The bottom line is God is working for his glory, and I want us to see this today, that God isn't working for a, for a generic kind of glory. He has a very specific kind of glory that he's working towards, and that is specifically he wants to be glorified among the nations. So, top line, bottom line, 
I'm going to show you through a few examples today that this is a driving theme throughout all of Scripture. We see this from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end, that this theme is at play here. So let's take a look at a few examples. We're going to start with Genesis chapter 12 here. And Genesis chapter 12 is where we find Abraham. Now, uh, just to give ourselves a, a little bit of a framework here, Genesis 1 through 11, I think, serves as an introduction to God's redemptive plan. We, we see that why we have this mess that we have in the world. We see a tendency for humans to rely on themselves. And all we know so far is God's going to fix it somehow. He's going to send someone from Eve who's going to crush the head of the serpent. But we don't have much detail. And then, really, the redemptive plan kicks off in detail with Abraham. God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and he says to him, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here's a question. Was Abraham blessed? Well, absolutely he was. He was blessed in a number of ways. He had a great name. He received great honor. He was given descendants. He was given land. He also was blessed with a, a lot of material wealth. He was a rich man, so he had a lot of blessing. But here's the big question. Was all this blessing for Abraham, was it the top line of what God was doing or the bottom line? Was it all about Abraham? Well, it was the top line. It wasn't all about Abraham. Abraham was included. He wasn't inconsequential to God. He was very important. And yet God was doing something else. You see, this wasn't some, you know, galactic, uh, you know, plan to, to have favoritism. This wasn't like, oh, Abraham, I want, I want to bless you, but it's going to be at the expense of others. I'm going to give you all this stuff at those people's expense. That's not what God's doing. In fact, God blessed Abraham so that Abraham would be a blessing to others. And you look at the very end of that verse there, what did God say to Abraham? This is the reason he's being blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you see that? You know what God is doing? That's the bottom line. God has the plan in place that he said, through you, Abraham, I'm going to create true worshipers of all the families of the earth. I'm going to bring them into this relationship with me and receive glory from them, and I'm starting with you. So you have the top line, Abraham certainly had blessing, and the bottom line. Now, I want you to see what Paul says about this verse in Galatians. Galatians 3.8, Paul says this, And scripture, foreseeing that God would, be, would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, a couple things I want you to see here. This is so cool. God preached the gospel for the first time in Genesis chapter 12. Isn't that incredible? That when God came to Abraham in Genesis 12 and said, I'm going to bless you and all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, he had in mind everything that would happen on the cross and through the resurrection and the inclusion of the nations. Our God is a plan A kind of God. Now, what's really fascinating here to me is at the end we see that Abra those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. That means we inherit the blessing. Guess what that means? If we inherit the blessing, we inherit the purpose behind the blessing. 
That means the fact that God chose you, the fact that God has blessed you, guess why he blessed you? Not an act of favoritism. He blessed you to be a blessing. He blessed you, God blessed you, so that through you the families of the earth would be blessed. Pretty incredible stuff. Okay, so there's, there's Abraham, one example, a top line, bottom line at play. Let's look at another example. I'm going to look specifically at the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. They were absolutely blessed, and I want to look at one specific blessing, which is the temple. Uh, Solomon built this beautiful temple, and you think about those ancient Israelites. If we were them, uh, we would have the temple of God right in our own backyard. Uh, this is where God's glory dwelled on earth. This is the global center of right worship to our God. Would you consider that a blessing? I certainly would. Now here's the question. Is all this blessing for the Israelites, are they the top line or the bottom line? Is it all about them? Well, no, they're the top line, so what's the bottom line? Well, we see this in Solomon's prayer of dedication. They, you know, when they built a big building, they threw a party, they dedicated it, and in this party, Solomon prayed this prayer of dedication. I want you to see just one part of his prayer. He says this in 1 Kings 8, he says, likewise, when a foreigner who's not of your people Israel comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays towards this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that the, this house that I have built is called by your name. See the bottom line there? God, thank you for giving us this incredible temple. Thank you for giving us a place to worship you. But the bottom line of this place is that the nations will hear about you and all the nations will know of your great name. See, God is seeking glory specifically from the nations. Okay, one more example here for you. This is the fun one. Not that the others weren't fun, but this is the one I like. Daniel 6, Daniel and the lion's den. I love this part of the Bible. This is such a wonderful part of the Bible. Of course, Daniel, thrown into the lion's den. They don't eat him. Would you consider Daniel to be blessed? Come on now. Would you want to be blessed in a similar way if you were in the same situation? Absolutely. Now, here's the question. Was Daniel being saved from the lions? Was that the top line or the bottom line? Top, absolutely. Daniel saved. Daniel, not inconsequential to God. God loved Daniel, and Daniel's life was important to God, and yet Daniel's well-being was not the bottom line of what's going on here. The bottom line we find at the end of Daniel 6, the result of him being saved from the lion, and this is what Daniel 6, 26 says. This is King Darius. He makes this decree, and he says this of Daniel. He says, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Ooh, that's some power. Would you like to have that kind of power? I'm going to write a letter to everybody on the planet today. Yeah. He says this, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. 
He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Do you see the bottom line at play there? Yes, Daniel was delivered, and yet the bottom line of this story is that God is bringing glory to himself among all the peoples. Here's what I want you to see just from these three examples is this. God's blessings are always tied to his global purposes. This is a driving theme behind uh, God's redemptive plan in all of Scripture, that God's blessings are always tied to his global purposes. Now, I've told you that God wants to be glorified, not in a generic way, but he has a very specific way he wants to be glorified. Why? Why does he want to be specifically glorified among the nations? I think we get a preview of this when we turn to the very end of the Bible in Revelation 21. Revelation 21, speaking of a new heaven and new earth, uh, John sees this vision of the new Jerusalem and he sees the people walking in and this is what he says about the people coming into the city. He says, by its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my thought of like heaven was we all just get kind of blended into one indistinct group of people. We're all singing the same song, wearing the same clothes, all speaking English, of course. What do we see here? Well, as John is seeing this, he sees the nations coming. The only way he can see the nations coming is if there's still national distinctiveness. He sees the colors of the nations. He sees the languages of the nations, the styles of the nations. And what are they doing? They're bringing the honor and the glory of the nations. What is that? Well, here's what I believe. I believe that God has given every people group on this planet unique glory with which to glorify him. And what sin does is it causes us to take those good things God gives us and to twist them and make it all about us. And the gospel then redeems that and allows us to use those good gifts for the right reason to worship God. So God gives us glory to glorify him. You know, I, I have a privilege of traveling around the world and some of the roles that I, I wear and uh, one of the places I love to travel is the Kenya. I was speaking with some Kenyan brothers today. You know, I love worshiping in Kenya. Uh, worshiping in Kenya is pretty extreme. Like, you get into shape because it's like Zumba, you know. Um, but, you know, I love it. And I, God's given my Kenyan brothers and sisters something I don't have. It's called rhythm. And no, just kidding. But it's beautiful worship. And, and it makes me think, whose worship is better? Our worship or Kenyan's worship? Nobody's willing to say no. That's a nonsensical question. See, it's not about one being better than the other. They're different, and both will be utilized in God's worship. Because think about this. In that day, in the new creation, we will still be finite beings. God alone is infinite, so we will still have finite tongues. And what's more fitting to worship God in one language, in one style, in one tongue, or in a kaleidoscope of cultures and colors and languages. Isn't that more fitting for the worship of the infinite God? And we get this beautiful, colorful picture of worship that we got a little preview of today. I love the, everyone up here praying in different languages. Languages that we will hear in God's presence on that day in Revelation 21. 
But why is this so important for us to think about? Well, I'll give you this analogy. This has really helped solidify some of my thinking in this. Uh, one day I was on Facebook and some friends of mine were making a puzzle. They love puzzles. And you can't see in this picture, but there was a problem with the puzzle. If we go to the next slide, this was the problem. These are the actual pictures. There was a piece missing. And it was so funny because on Facebook, you know, people are so, you know, it's just entertaining to see how people interact sometimes. And so people on Facebook, they're typing. They're like, I'm praying for you right now. And, you know, all these people are praying about this missing puzzle piece. <laughs> then a couple of weeks go by and they post on there. And they're like, we found the puzzle piece. And everybody's hitting the like button and praising God and throwing emojis up in there. And it just cracked me up. But it caused me to think about something. I thought, you know what, if I were to give you a puzzle as a gift, no matter how beautiful that puzzle was, no matter how many pieces that puzzle had, if I gave this to you as a gift and I knew a piece was missing, is this a good gift or a bad gift? Come on now. It's a horrible gift, right? Like, do you know what kind of anguish I'm about to put you through? And, and it made me think about this. If God has created every people group with unique glory to glorify him, then if we get to that day in the new creation, if one is missing, is this good worship or bad worship? At the very least, it's incomplete worship. And doesn't our God deserve complete worship? Now, here's the good news. Revelation has already promised that every tongue, tribe, people, and nation will be present. God has promised that, and he's invited us to be a part of that promise. But we have to think about this, that this is what God is working towards. This is a driving theme in scripture. This is so important to God. You know, when we talked about the temple, you know what's really interesting? Going back to that temple for a second. Later on in the Bible, Isaiah 56, God says this of his temple. He says, my house is to be called a house of prayer for all nations. When Jesus came and cleansed the temple, do you know what he quoted to them? He quoted Isaiah 56. He said, my house is to be a house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of robbers. Now, I can't quite unpack everything going on there, but you know what was happening? The people of Israel had separated the blessing from the purpose behind the blessing. This temple was supposed to be a place for the nations and it had become a place where they were excluding the nations. And friends, let me tell you this. When we divorce the purpose of God's blessing from his blessing, that's highly offensive to him. And it was highly offensive to Jesus. And we need to pay attention to this because in our culture, it's so easy to do that and just think all day long about all of God's blessings in my life and not think about the purpose behind them. This is incredibly important to God. So there's our first uh, thing. Talking about activating our faith then it's just this idea of we need to know what it is we're being activated towards. We need the knowledge of it. Now we need to think about impacting the world. To impact the world requires an intentional missionary effort because the gospel doesn't easily spread. Here's a couple of things I want you to see about the nations. When the Bible speaks about the nations, first of all, the nations are not geopolitical states, but rather they're ethno-linguistic people groups. So when we read the Bible, we might see nation, we might automatically start thinking Mexico, China, Germany, that sort of thing. 
But actually, when the Bible talks about the nations, it talks about God's heart for the nations, it's talking about people groups, people who share a common language and culture and identity, a common history, the things that kind of make us us, okay? Further, when the Bible talks about the nations, it uses a bunch of terms. Other terms include uh, peoples, families, and Gentiles, So when you see these words in the Bible, they're all talking about the same thing. The Gentiles are simply the nations, the non-Jewish nations. But the Bible has this over and over again. You know, this is one of the things we talk a lot about in perspectives. And I had a good friend of mine take perspectives last year. He's a worship pastor. And he came up to me afterwards and said, Tyler, I was reading my Bible with my kids again. You wouldn't believe it. The nations were there again. It was like, yeah, they're there a lot, but, you know, our cultural lenses cause us not to see this. And then we, we kind of think, oh, you know, this stuff is just kind of for somebody else. But this is so dear to God's heart. This is so important to him. Now, here's the thing. The gospel spreads with intentionality. When we think about people, sometimes we think about people as being kind of like pancakes. Any of you like pancakes here? A few of you? Man, first hour liked pancakes a lot more than you all. Uh, pancakes, like sometimes, you know, you put the syrup on, it just spreads everywhere. Then it forms a pool. Now your pancakes are floating in syrup, that sort of thing. And we can think about the gospel like this sometimes. We think, you know what? If I make a disciple and you make a disciple, and if we all keep doing that, eventually the whole world is going to be covered in the gospel. But you know what? The gospel actually doesn't work like that. People don't work like that because people are more like waffles than they are pancakes. You see, if I make a disciple and you make a disciple and we keep doing that, the gospel might saturate our culture, but it's going to encounter walls. It's going to encounter barriers. The gospel doesn't automatically jump to another culture because it encounters barriers of understanding. Other cultures speak different languages. They have different practices. Sometimes between cultures, there's animosity. Sometimes we mistreat each other. And so you have things where it's like that person's never going to step inside your church because of things that your cultures have done. So for the gospel to spread, for the gospel to jump to other pockets, requires an intentional missionary effort. So if we're going to talk about changing the world, impacting the world, we have to do so in a very specific and strategic way. Now, here's the reality. On that slide there, you see that there's 17,000 ethno-linguistic groups or people groups on the planet today. Now, 7,000 of them are considered unreached. That's 41% of the world's population or about 3.2 billion people. And here's what we mean by unreached. We don't mean that there's, like, they're, they're any more lost than, say, a place that's reached. It just means they have no access to the gospel, You see, we would call America reached, and what we don't mean by that is we're not saying that there's no more work to be done in America, amen? There's a lot of work to be done in America, but here's the difference. My neighbor next door is no more lost than, say, someone who's unreached, but at least he has the ability to hear about Jesus from somebody. But 41% of the world has no access to the gospel. They They don't have the Bible in their language. They don't have churches in their culture. They have nobody to tell them about Jesus. And you see, God wants us to make an impact on the world, but we have to be very intentional and strategic about how we do it. Otherwise, we'll fill up our waffle pocket, but we won't fill up somebody else's. So, we're talking about impacting the world. 
Here's what we need to do then. We need to multiply his disciples. And I want to tie this into the command that Jesus gave us because here's the thing. We have been given a bottom line mission. We've been given a bottom line mission. So we talked top line, bottom line today, and I believe this, that God has blessed us, but he's blessed us for the purpose of his bottom line mission. What's our mission? Well, it's Matthew 28. I believe that this is the primary command given to the church. This is the final thing Jesus commands his followers. If we look at the, the gospel of Matthew, it's the final thing mentioned there, which in the ancient world, it's kind of like, it makes it the most important thing. This is kind of like the mic drop. And that's what Jesus said to us, to his followers, and to those who would come after them. He says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I want to mention three specific things about this command, okay? The first one is this. It's specifically about the nations. You see, many Bible scholars will point out that in Greek, you can kind of look at verbs and figure out what's the main verb here, and there's a lot of verbs within Matthew 28, but they'll say the main imperative, the main command is to make disciples, and that's true, but it's only half true, because the main command is actually make disciples of all nations. You see, in the Greek, and this works as well in English, when you are given a, a command and it has a direct object, you can't separate the direct object from it. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense grammatically. Let me use an analogy that would happen in our world. Let's say we're playing baseball, and you're up to bat, and I'm the coach, and I yell out, hit the ball! And you hear me and you say, oh, coach wants me to hit. And you start hitting random things. You take out the Gatorade jug. You take out the umpire. You just are hitting. And I'm going to say, no, hit the ball, right? Because you see, the command was not to hit. The command was hit the ball. Likewise, Jesus didn't simply command us to make disciples. He said, make disciples of all nations, Here's the thing about this command, is it's intentionally other. See, I believe this. When we get good news, we share it pretty regularly with our friends and families. I think the assumption Jesus had is you would make disciples of friends and families within your own culture. But he wanted us to not just stop there. He wanted us to go make disciples of people very different from us. Maybe people who have done horrible things to us. Maybe people we don't naturally get along with. Maybe people that we've had generations of problems with. And he said, I want you to go to them and make disciples. Now put this into the context of his original followers who were Jewish guys who were, had all this hope of a Messiah who was going to come. And their idea of a Messiah was this guy's going to come and he's going to bring the kingdom in its fullness right now. And he's going to kick out these pesky Romans who, by the way, had committed horrible atrocities against the Jewish people. And so part of their hope of a Messiah is this guy's going to come and he's going he's to take these guys out. He's going to hurt them good and, and make Israel great again. Okay. Isn't it wild then 
that Jesus comes, not as they're expecting, and he says, now I want you to go make disciples of them too. And guess what they did obediently? They went to the Romans and they made disciples of them. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. You know, the disciples could have easily said, you know, I understand, God, you want this to be global, but our country has enough problems. We just need to fix this country first, and then we'll do that. Wouldn't that have devastating consequences for us? But what we see right away is right away they're obedient to this command, and they start making disciples, not just of Jewish people, but of Gentiles, Samaritans. They go to the ends of the earth obediently. Because this is God's heart. Okay, the other thing about this command I want us to see this morning is it's based on an economy of abundance. Our God operates on an economy of abundance. Our world operates on an economy of scarcity. If I have the greatest army, I don't want you to get a bigger army than me because then that means I won't have the greatest army. If I have the oil, I don't want you to get the oil because that then, you know, threatens me. But God's economy is totally different because God says this, I have given you this incredible inheritance and what I want you to do is I want you to take this to people very different from you and bring them into the kingdom as well. And when you do, it doesn't threaten your inheritance at all. Our God has an economy of abundance. In fact, what's amazing is that when we obey God, I believe this, if we get serious about God's global purposes, God is able to completely meet our needs within our own culture. We need revival in this country. And you know what I believe? I believe one of the quickest ways to revival is for us in America to get serious about the Great Commission. You see, I've never known anybody who is serious about sharing their faith with people very different from them who haven't also become better about sharing their faith with their friends and family. I don't know anyone who's become generous with seeing the gospel go places it never has where they haven't become more generous within their local church. You see, God's global purposes are never at odds with our local needs because our God has an economy of abundance. Finally, this is motivated by worship. Why don't you think about this? God, Jesus didn't give this command based on how lovable people are because honestly, sometimes people are really hard to love. Amen? Ask my wife how easy I am to love sometimes. You know, if our obedience is to only go to the people that we have an affinity for, or that we love naturally, this will not be long-lasting. But when we realize, no, this is actually what God is after, and his heart is for worship from all nations, and it's no longer about how lovable people are, although I believe that Jesus gives us a love for others, but when our basis is first and foremost that God deserves worship, that we don't want to give him that puzzle with the missing piece, that we want him to receive complete worship, then this is the basis of what we're doing. Here's my point today, and here's what I'm really after. I, I pray and I hope that this gives you a new lens to look at Scripture through. I hope that as you read the Bible, you think top line, bottom line. And I hope that as you look at your own life, that you look at your life through that lens are you blessed? If you're in Christ, Ephesians says we've been blessed with every blessing in the spiritual realm. And beyond the spiritual things, I know most of us are blessed in a lot of other ways. 
So the question for you is, what is the purpose of your blessing? And are you living for the bottom line? Now, when it comes to living for the bottom line, when it comes to thinking about your church's mission statement, you know, sometimes we get into this, this thing where we think, oh, missions is just like this optional uh, side thing for, you know, those people who've been bitten by the travel bug, those people who like to w eat weird food. Um, so we make it a mission program in the church, and actually what the Bible says is God wants each one of us living for his global purposes. Now, of course, that means some of us are meant to go, but the majority of us aren't. So what does that leave us for? Is it just to write a check every now and again? Well, I don't think so. I think there's a number of things. First of all, those of us who aren't called to go, we still can practice going because we need to visit those that we're helping, just like I know this church is doing. We need to be praying, going through history. Every missiological breakthrough has always been preceded by a prayer effort. Uh, there's so many ways that we can support and be a part of what God is doing. One of them is welcoming. Do you know the nations are here? I mean, I see several nations represented just looking around this room right now. Uh, but my wife, uh, her ministry, Better English in Tacoma, we've had the privilege of connecting with people from over 30 different nations, many of whom are considered unreached, many of whom you can't go to with an American passport, and yet we're doing discovery Bible studies with them and sharing God's love. You see, there's all sorts of ways we can do, and my point today is not to unpack all of that, Really, it's to encourage you to have that mindset in your life. I need to live for God's global purposes. I need to live for the bottom line. And I want to direct you to Stephen and to the mission team here, and they'll plug you in in ways, okay? Um, other than that, I'm just going to say, I do have a table set up with more information about perspectives and better English in Tacoma. You can come out and see us. Uh, but I'm going to close our time here and invite the worship team to come up. I want to use Psalm 67 as a closing prayer to pray blessing over you. And so I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and I want to read this as a prayer this morning. So listen to the words and make this a prayer in your own life. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And God, that is simply my prayer for a high point, that you would be gracious to them and bless them, cause your face to shine upon them, that they would live for you to be known among every nation. Would you bless this congregation and would you give them the power and the strength to pursue what is important to your heart, Lord? Bless this church. Bless them that the nations would know you. Pray this in the name of Jesus and through your spirit, amen.